Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. What's up, people? Y'all doing okay? Today, I am so happy because I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching today. I have my friend here from Sweden, and he's about to preach, and y'all are about to fall in love with him. He's going to get up here, and he'll be a stranger. By the time he finishes, he will be family. We were in the same space with each other like 12 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago, and uh, God didn't let us connect yet. Have you ever met a person that as soon as you met them, you just felt a connection? Like all of your radars that you usually have up and, you know, you squint your eyes like, who are you? I got to I got to fill you out for a minute. Anybody beside me got those people that just went past all of that and like, I don't even know when we met, but we've been connected ever since. I just love this person. We got to meet last year and that connection was instant. It was so instant and we were like, we got to keep in touch. And he was like, you know what? I want to keep in touch, but will you come to Sweden to preach for me? And I was like, yes, I will consider it. (laughs) And I was like, "Um, only if you come to America, which he was already in America, (laughs) but only if you come to Embassy City and preach for us, because I feel like there's a word in you for us. And he agreed. And so before I get out there, he's already here, and he's about to be a blessing to us today. Uh, His name is Joachim Lundqvist, and he is the Swedish ambassador for the kingdom of God, visiting our embassy today. So would you stand to your feet and give a warm American down-home Southern welcome to Joachim Ludquist! Hey, Embassy City, what's up? Oh man, I'm so excited to be with you this morning. And Pastor Tim Juliet, what an honor it is for me to be with you. Oh man, just like Pastor said, I actually heard him speak at a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, 12, 13 years ago or something, and it was a big conference, thousands of pastors there and many, you know, world-renowned speakers. And then a, 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 pra- a person named Pastor Tim Russ went up there to speak, and the world just stopped. And, and as we got home, me and my, my team of pastors got back to Sweden. That was the message we were all talking about. That was the message we were praying about that went straight into our hearts. And I was just praying, Lord, if it be thy holy will... At some point in the future, could we just kind of connect the, the two of us? And then again, like you heard, we met this past September. And it was like instant connection, brothers from another mother. And uh, it, it was just incredible. I'm so happy. Pastor will be speaking at our conference, our main summer conference in Sweden in July. Don't tell him that we canceled his return tickets. So, so he will stay with us. And, and now after worshiping with you guys, I need to invite your worship team and cancel their return tickets because <laughs> we're, we're just falling in love with every single level of this church uh, in, in every single way. So I'm super honored to be with you. And like you can hear, this one is not from Texas, okay? I'm not even going to pretend like I own some kind of American accent. So the Word of God is coming to you with a Swedish accent this yeah. morning. I hope that's okay. 
I'm preaching in my second language, guys, so I'm going to do my best. And if you think it's funny, I'm going to have you preach to me in Swedish, and the joke will be on me. Okay. So my name is Joachim, as you heard. I know it's a hard name to pronounce and for, uh, for someone with an English first language. So uh, when people ask me, how do, I, how do I pronounce your name? I normally tell them, imagine a rapper greeting the North Korean dictator. Yo, Kim. <laughs> and that will get you in the vicinity. Or you can just say, Pastor, you're welcome. And, and I, I will respond to that. I'll say thank you. And then we're going to be best friends. That's, that's basically it. So um, I'm married to Maria, my beautiful wife. And we're coming up on our 35th anniversary, church. <laughs> Woo! We have two daughters. Evelina is 31. Julia is 28. Now, Julia got married a few years ago, and now she's got two sons of her own, which makes me a grandfather. Everybody look at that picture and go, aww. It's a bit funny. The one with the hair, you see him? His name is Zion. And the one without the hair, his name is Samson. So apart from being a husband and a father and a grandfather, I'm also so blessed to pastor Word of Life Church in Sweden. Now, as we all know, Sweden is a frozen nation in the north of Europe. Of course, we also know it's governed by two princesses called Elsa and Anna. And they, they both reside in the castle of Ikea. <laughs> Guys, on a more, more serious note... Sweden is one of the most secularized nations in the world. But praise God, Romans says where sin abounded, grace would abound even more. And by that grace, we have now been able to plant out from our local church 800 churches all over Europe, former Soviet Union, Central Asia, the Middle East, and India. And we're so excited to be a little part of what God is doing globally. Actually, I brought one of my key youth leaders from back home. Kenofi, would you stand to your feet, please? Yeah. <laughs> this guy is actually a successful fashion model back home in Sweden. But even more than that, he's on fire for Jesus and one of the best young speakers in, in Europe, as far as I'm concerned. So, guys, you're all invited to come to Sweden. It would be great to have you. Just don't come in the winter because you would die. And <laughs> just, you just have to pick your season, right, okay? So I was so blessed. Yesterday I had lunch with Pastor Tim, and, and he told me he's been speaking on the Holy Spirit for a, a number of weeks. And that's actually exactly the same message that God placed on my heart without having a clue. That was what the Holy Spirit was already speaking to this church. So I want to share a message that I call, Spirit Comes, Church Goes. Spirit Comes, Church Goes. And we're going to start out uh, already in the Word of God in Acts chapter 2. And I want to read the first few verses about the story of the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And we're going to read the first six verses. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, 
There were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, I've read this passage so many times. And each and every time I thought to myself, well, there was basically one thing going on here. And it's God the Father equipping the baby church of Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit so they can fulfill the great commission, go out in all the world and preach the gospel for everything created. But then, you know, a few years ago, the thing happened to me that I hope happens to you again sometimes. You read the same verses and your eyes pop up a bit wider. And you see something that you haven't seen before. And I realized, actually, there's not just one thing going on here. It's two things going on. The Holy Spirit is working on two groups of people at the same time. He's working within the four walls of the church, empowering the church to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But at the same time, He's also doing a work on the, in the people on the street outside the church, preparing them to receive. So the same Spirit encourages and empowers one group, which is you and I, to speak the name of Jesus. And at the same time, there's another group of people supernaturally prepared to hear the name of Jesus. And this dawned on me and I started meditating on it and and the Spirit started speaking to my heart saying, Joachim, because he can pronounce my name, Um, Joachim, it's the same way today. Every time you come together as the church and every time you enter into the presence of God on a Sunday morning and and you worship and you pray, the Holy Spirit starts ministering to you, preparing you to go out into your world and share God's love throughout the upcoming week. But that's not all. At the same time, there will be a relative of yours. There will be a neighbor There will be a colleague at work, someone in your school, someone in your vicinity that will be prepared to hear the words that you are being prepared to speak. Someone out there right now is being prepared to receive whatever the Spirit is empowering you to share. Amen? Amen. And I started teaching my, my church this back home. And, you know, to just kind of grow our faith in regards to this. That it's not only us encountering the presence of God. The presence of God is actually working all over this area right now. Preparing hearts to open up and to encounter the love of Jesus coming out of your life. Amen. Amen. And we started seeing so many beautiful uh, miracles and, and uh, uh, things that God was doing as, uh, as out, of this, uh, out from this revelation. And I'll just tell you one story, one out of many. And this story is about a young Muslim refugee who came from the Middle East. He was 25 years old. And the other year he ended up in Sweden. And he came to a city about one hour north of where we are. And as he started to get acclimatized and, and fit into this new cold home nation of his, he had a weird experience the other summer. And uh, he started having the same dream over and over again every single night. The same dream kept appearing uh, while he was asleep. 
And in this dream, he saw this big auditorium where thousands of people were standing like this. And because he was a Muslim, he'd never been to a church. He couldn't relate to what he was seeing. He, he didn't understand anything. What is this auditorium? Who are these people? And why are they standing like this? But the dream kept coming back every single night. And after a while, he thought, well, this must mean something. So he started walking out on the streets of his city in Sweden, asking random people, excuse me, sir, um, do you know of a big auditorium where thousands of people are standing like this? And people thought he was crazy. First of all, because Swedes don't talk to strangers. You people from Texas, you need to know you are world champions of social interaction. <laughs> Swedes are not. I'm a very unusual Swede that way. But that's why Swedish people freak out when they come over here. Because you actually talk to someone that you don't know. A Swede will come into an elevator in Texas. There will be a someone, someone in there. And that person will say, hey, what's up? And the Swede's first impression will be, what do you want from me? Why are you referring to an app on my phone? You know, <laughs> what, 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 what is this? You know, and even I, having been in the U.S. so many times, I still have to work on this. You know, I was in a store just the other day and, and checking out things, and, and this person calls out to me, um, "You need any help over there, sweetie?" And I said. I didn't know we were on Swedish terms. You know, that. <laughs> for, for a Swede, that's not just happening. So this guy asking around, he didn't get any response whatsoever. So eventually he thought to himself, well, the auditorium that keeps popping out of my dream is a big place. So maybe it's in Stockholm, the capital, the capital of Sweden. <laughs> so he got a train ticket to go to Stockholm to find this mysterious auditorium. Now, when you go from his city to Stockholm, the last city that you stop by before arriving is our city. So he passed us by and ended up in Stockholm, stepped out on the train platform, and as he did, a complete stranger walks up to him and says to this young Muslim, young man, you went one station too far. You need to go back one station and you will find what you're looking for. So this young Muslim, now a bit confused, says, uh, thank you. And then he goes back on the train, and he goes back one station, ends up in our city. And he goes up to a random person in the street saying, excuse me, do you know of a big auditorium where thousands of people are standing like this? And this guy says, well, that's Word of Life Church. Everybody knows that's the largest one in the nation. So he takes the bus to our church, and he enters into our church auditorium, first time he's ever been inside a church. And when he enters into the auditorium, it's a Saturday night service. Thousands of people are standing like this, worshiping the name of Jesus. And he recognizes the auditorium in detail. He recognizes the balconies, the colors, the people. This is the place from his dream. And the first thing he hears is me giving the altar call. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. And this 25-year-old Muslim hears the gospel of Jesus for the first time. He lifts his hand and he accepts Christ as his Lord and Savior. Come on, church. Let's give it up for Jesus. 
And only later did we find out how much heavenly coordination that went into this process. How God gave this young Muslim a dream and put it on repeat. How he placed an angel on the Stockholm train station and to guide him to our church. And we realized this is how much God loves one single human being. And we were reminded that truly we are prepared to share the gospel. But truly also the world is being more prepared to receive it than we can sometimes understand. Amen? Amen. So if God is the one who prepares us to share, and at the same time God is the one who prepares the world to receive, then what is our part to play? What is the things we need to do? What is our part in the equation? Two things, my friend. Number one, dare to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you. Dare to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you. I love reading the chapters in the Gospel of John where Jesus speaks to his disciples right before going to Calvary. Chapter 14, 15, 16. And then his final prayer in chapter 17. And this is where he introduces the person of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And it's interesting to see how he starts to describe this person of the Godhead that will now be with them. It says in John chapter 14 from verse 15, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Church, can we say those four words? Be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So the first thing Jesus wants you and I to know about the Holy Spirit. is not that the spirit is big and powerful, although he is. And the first thing is not either. That the Spirit will give you goosebumps and great emotional experiences, although He might. The first thing that Jesus Himself wants you to know about the Holy Spirit is that He will be with you always. Every single day of the week. He will not come and go. He will be with you always. Be with you forever. Which means that there are days... When you feel his presence, and we love those days, but there will be days where you feel a nothing at all, but he's still with you just the same. And, uh, you know, in the days where we feel his presence, what do we do? We we rejoice in his presence. We, We thank God in his presence. We worship in his presence. And in the days where we don't feel anything, then we dare to believe that He is with us just the same. Because, church, hear me out. The Spirit is not with you because you feel Him. He is with you because Jesus promised He would be. And Jesus never, ever lies. So when you don't feel, dare to believe. When you don't experience, dare to believe. Lean into that holy promise of Jesus Christ, which was the first piece of information he gave us about the spirit he will always be with you he will be with you forever amen Amen. and when you do 
And when you are reminding yourself time and time again that the Spirit of God is not just for church on Sunday morning, but the Spirit of God is for Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday night and Thursday morning, every single day He is with you. And when you don't feel Him as intense as you might do in church, dare to believe. And when you do, a miracle is waiting to happen. A few years ago, I was on a plane. I was flying to a small group of islands called the Faroe Islands. There are 19 small islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I don't know how they ended up there. I don't know how people ended up there. But the guy is a great Christian community, and I was on my way to preach. So I was sitting on this, this flight, reading my Bible and getting my heart prepared for the messages. Now, next to me, the seat next to me, was a, a huge man. Let's just call him extra large in every direction. And not only was he huge, he was drunk. Drunk. He was so drunk, I was almost intoxicated by the fumes that came out of his body. And because he was super drunk, he was also super loud. Anything that went into his mind went immediately out of his mouth. And again, people from Texas. Let me tell you something about Swedish people. When someone is loud in Sweden... Everybody else quiets down, okay? If somebody's loud in Sweden, we think they're either drunk or they're from Norway. You know, there's, <laughs> Swedes are just not that kind of people. So, so this guy was now having a solo performance on board the flight, and everybody had to listen regardless of whether they liked it or not. And, and on top of that, he was doing all these gestures all the time when he was telling his, his story. So he bumped into me all the time, and I was trying to study the Holy Word of God. And you might think, well, Pastor Joachim, holy man of God, I'm sure you were praying for the salvation of his soul at the time. I uh, know. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, I was not in prayer mode whatsoever. I was in irritation and annoyment mode. If I was praying for anything, I was praying for God to move this man to another seat in Jesus' name. Upgrade him, downgrade him, just grade him off of me. Because, you know, I, I, he's messing with my holiness here. So anyway, I, I'm just sitting there being super annoyed by this huge drunk man. All of a sudden, the captain comes on the speaker saying, Ladies and gentlemen, we just heard in, uh, bad news from the Faroe Islands. There is a severe storm over the islands and we will not be able to land tonight. We have to turn the plane down, uh, around and we have to make another attempt tomorrow morning. We're sorry for any inconvenience. And when that happened, the whole plane went like, oh. And that's Swedish people expressing intense anger. <laughs> If you come across a Swede and you, and you hear them go, oh, run for your life, man. You're, you're in deep trouble. Everybody did the, oh, apart except for this guy next to me who started calling out to the pilot, no, man, you bring this plane down because I want to see my wife and family tonight. And I was just going, oh. Then all of a sudden he turns to me. And he sees my Bible, and he looks back at me, and he says, Man, you better pray right now. <laughs> Which honestly caught me completely off guard. 
Again, I was not in prayer mode at the time. And, and I didn't really know what to say. And on top of that, the whole plane is dead quiet. Everybody's listening to this conversation now. So I said, uh, no. I, I will only pray if you pray with me. Yeah. <laughs> and the plane went, whoa. <laughs> and this guy went quiet on me and thought for a while. Then he said, no, I don't believe in God. Which I think is so funny that he wants me to pray to a God that he does not believe in. As I said, well, if you don't pray with me, I don't pray either. Play went, oh. <laughs> so he thought for a while, and then he said this. If I pray with you, will we be able to land tonight? Oh, my God. Oh. The plane is now dead quiet. Everybody wants to know what is the Bible guy going to say now? And I was searching desperately for inner confirmation. If ever you have spoken to me, Lord, now is the time for, to get that inner loudspeaker going. Now is the time for a bush to come on fire. Now is, now is the time for an angel, Michael, Gabriel, anyone really... Now, I want that heavenly finger riding with fire on the wall of the plane. Yes, Joachim, for sure, you will be able to land if we pray with the guy. There was nothing. There was silence. No word popped out. No inner voice. No goosebumps. No confirmation. No emotional experience. The one thing I had is I could dare to believe. Yeah. In the promise of Jesus Christ, yes. that the Spirit will never ever leave me nor forsake me. He will be with me always. So I took the deepest breath of my life. And I said, yes. <laughs> if we pray, we will be able to land. So help me God. <laughs> the whole plane went, ooh. And this guy goes, okay, let's pray then. And then he folded his hands and bowed his head. And I put my hand on the guy and I pray. And I pray for a long time. <laughs> I, I wanted to uh, give God maximum of time to perform this miracle. So this was extended version, director's cut prayer right there. <laughs> Prayed, uh, blessed his family and his life and his work. And just went on and on and on and on and on. Jesus' name, eventually I ran out of words. And I said, Lord, I pray that we will be able to land tonight. So help me, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And this man went, Amen. <laughs> and the whole plane went, Amen. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> Five seconds later. Ladies and gentlemen, we just heard news from the Faroe Islands. The storm has cleared and we will be able to land tonight. Church. I'm not sharing this story to make me look like a spiritual superhero. Rather the opposite. Yeah. I'm wanting to communicate to you that sometimes you will feel nothing. Yeah. 
Sometimes there will be no emotional confirmation. Sometimes there will be no goosebumps, but he's with you all the same. And when you dare to believe, when you lean in, when you choose to put faith in the words and the promise of Jesus Christ, there's nothing that is impossible for our God. Amen. Dare to believe that he's with you. Dare to believe that he will never leave you. That's when you prepared to speak, will connect with the world, prepared to listen. Second thing, I want to close with this. Step out of your boat. Step out of your boat. Now, if you know your Bible, and especially the four Gospels, you know that there's a story in there, Matthew chapter 14, from verse 33 and on. When uh, the 12 disciples of Jesus are in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus comes walking on the water. And there's a conversation between Christ and Peter. Ending with Jesus saying, come. And Peter is left with a choice. To either stay inside his boat. Or step out on the water into the unknown. Now, how does this story relate to you and I? Because most people in here might not own a boat. But you know what? We all have an inner boat, which is our area of security, our area of being in full control, our area of stability. Now, Peter was a fisherman. Matthew 4 says he was the son of a fisherman. The first thing he would have learned as a kid was if you're going to transport yourself on the Sea of Galilee, you need a boat. That was one of the foundations of his entire existence. And initially, when Jesus builds a relationship with Peter, he actually steps into Peter's boat. And I love that. He he steps into Peter's safety zone. He steps into his area of security. And he says, Peter, I'm willing to come to you on your terms. I am the Alpha and Omega, the creator of heaven and earth, but still I'm willing to shrink myself to the size where you are ready to accept me into your small and tiny boat, your own zone of security and safety. However, there will come a day when he's coming on the water and he says, I came to you, now you come to me. And in order for you to do that, You need to step out of your safety zone. You need to step out of your security, out of the area in which you are in full control. And if you do something you've never done before, Peter, you're going to see something you've never seen before. There will be a miracle unlocked if you just follow, if you just are willing to take that step in faith. Maybe there's someone in here you've never ever shared the gospel with anyone and and the devil whispered in your ear that you couldn't do it. It's time for you to step out of your boat. Maybe some people have told, spoken out over your life that you're, you're an introvert. You're not, you can't really be used in the way of communicating God's love and, and the gospel of Jesus. It's time to step out of your boat. Because when we step out of our boats this upcoming week, then there's a miracle waiting to happen. And I just want to share a story about when God challenged not only me, but our entire church to truly step out of our boat, out of our comfort zone, out of our area of expertise and security, and the result of what came about as a a result of, of that step. Now, friends, maybe you remember back in 2015, 16, 17, 
uh, my continent, Europe, experienced a humanitarian disaster in the form of hundreds of thousands of refugees pouring out of the Middle East and Afghanistan, escaping the terror of the ISIS and the Talibans. And many of them took to inflatable boats and got out in the Mediterranean Ocean to try to make it to Europe, try to make it to Europe's southern point, Greece and, and the city of Athens. Not this Athens, the original one. <laughs> and... Uh, when we heard about this from news media, hundreds of thousands of people all already on their way, we understood exactly what was going to happen. If they reached Athens, Greece, they were going to walk from the south of Europe up to the north to Sweden because at the time we had very liberal laws of immigration. And Sweden, my nation, panicked because we're a small nation. We're only 10 million people. And for us to absorb hundreds of thousands of immigrants in that short time frame, that will, be, that will be problems. That will be a major disaster in itself. And on top of that, so many politicians and even Christian leaders spoke out in fear over this situation. Oh no, the Muslims are go coming and they're going to overtake us. And I remember I took my pastors aside and we started praying and fasting and seeking the Lord about how to position ourselves in this situation. And um, as we were doing so, God spoke to us. And this is what he said. Do you want to build a church of fear or a church of faith? And we said, sir, we want to build a church of faith. And then I meditated on that and I remembered that faith does not deny the problem. But faith chooses to see the possibility inside the problem. Yes. Faith, my friend, does not deny the obstacle. But faith chooses to focus on the opportunity inside the obstacle. Now, friends, just so you know. I'm not making a political statement here by sharing this story. Because I was not in favor of the liberal immigration laws of my nation at the time. And I was fully aware, and we all were, that while accepting all these people from the Middle East, we also imported truckloads of social problems. There's, there's no question of that. But you see, these people were coming. Right. They were coming regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Which left us as a church with only two options. Either we could step out of the situation, point our finger, and complain about it on Facebook. Or we could step into the situation in Jesus' name and dare to believe that somewhere in this humanitarian disaster, there is a seed of revival there somewhere. There's a seed of revival there. So we stepped into this situation. We, we coordinated the Word of Life churches that were on the route from Greece down in the south up to Sweden and Uppsala in the north. So that the refugees could walk from one city and one word of life church to the other as they were heading from the south to the north. And please understand, this walk would be equal to you guys walking from here to Seattle, Washington. That's the distance we're talking about here. So they could go from one word of life church to another. And every, every, uh, in every place and every church, they will get help and support. But more than anything, they would hear that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then they 
ended up in Sweden. And when they poured into our city of Uppsala, we put a big banner on our church saying, Refugees welcome. And hundreds and hundreds of Muslims started pouring in to our church. And we loved them. And we gave them food and clothes and medical care and legal assistance. We helped them learn the Swedish language. And we just helped them to start uh, integrating in our society. And time and time again, we shared the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And so many times they told us, why are you doing this? Why are you loving us? Because if you guys were coming to us, our part of the world, we would not receive you the way you receive us. And we told them time and time again that the symbol of our faith is not this. It's this. And we started to see something so beautiful. They started saying, you know what, we're not just escaping the terror of the ISIS, we're actually escaping Islam. We're escaping our old religion, we don't want it anymore. And their hearts started opening up for Jesus Christ. And we saw a major revival among the Muslim community, among the refugees, that completely changed our church. And still to this day, The majority of people giving their lives to Jesus and are baptized in my church are former Muslims accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. (laughs) And we realized we couldn't reach them when they were in Iran. We couldn't reach them when they were in Afghanistan, but all of a sudden they come to us. And we have to see this as a beautiful opportunity. And this changed the complete every single dimension of our church. We run a Bible school in our church. We, by the grace of God, we graduated 12,000 young people from the Bible college. Now we have had to start a separate mus- former Muslim Bible college. And we've graduated in just these past few years over 500 students that used to bow down to Allah but are now standing on the solid rock of God's Word. i got so many church members called Muhammad today. I don't even know what to do with them. I'm just praying that God will never call one of them to be a prophet because Prophet Muhammad from Word of Life Church, that would just be weird. And I love these people. They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're incredible. But they can't pronounce my name either. They speak Arabic and Farsi, so they gave me this T-shirt saying Pastor Abdullah Kim. (laughs) Little did I know, brothers and sisters, just a few years ago, that all of a sudden I would be Pastor Abdullah Kim to hundreds and hundreds of the sons and daughters of Ishmael. And now as I look back over my church on a Sunday and I see all these people that used to bow down to Allah, And are now worshiping the lamb that was slain. And every time I do, I realize, I have to pinch myself because I realize I could have missed all of this. We could have missed all of this so easily by just staying in the boat. By just doing whatever we normally do and not taking that step of faith into the unknown, into an area of outreach that we've never been involved in. 
But as we did, by the grace that we received to take that step into the unknown and looking at the possibilities rather than the problems, looking at the opportunities rather than the obstacles, we opened the door to a full-scale, spirit-filled revival. And I don't know what God is speaking to you or to this church, but I do know that when we dare to believe that He's with us, and when we take that step out of the boat, then the church, supernaturally prepared to share, will connect with the world, supernaturally prepared to receive, and Jesus Christ will be lifted up all over this city. Amen? And I just finally want to pray for you, because maybe you're here today and you feel that, man, I need to respond to this on a personal level. I need just to make up my mind today that I'm going to dare to believe in a brand new way. I'm going to take that step out of the boat. I'm going to do something I haven't done before so I can see something that I've never seen before. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit in the last few minutes of this service will minister to you and pour a new boldness and a new joy into your daily walk. Not only the Sunday service part of the walk, but the Monday through Saturday part of your walk. Amen. So would you please stand in the presence of God. Someone is waiting for you on the other side of your obedience. Someone is waiting for you. God has right now prepared someone out there to hear the word of God through your mouth and to see the love of Jesus through your life. You know, there's so many stories about this whole Muslim revival that we are still experiencing. While you're standing in the presence of God, let me just share really quickly about one, one family that was touched. There was this family in Afghanistan, a, a father and a mother and six children. They were living in Kabul. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on their door. And outside, there's a Taliban warrior. And he tells this father that, I want your 12-year-old daughter as my wife. And the father panics. He says, I, I, I can't give her. She's only 12. I can't give her to you. And the Taliban warrior says, I'll be back tomorrow with my army. And you're going to be left with two choices. Either you give your 12-year-old to me, or I'm going to wipe out your entire family. And that night, in the middle of the night, the, pa the father rolls out his prayer mat toward Mecca, and he starts calling for the help of Allah. But while he's praying, he realizes he's been praying to Allah all his life, but Allah has never answered him. But then in the back of his mind, he realizes and he remembers that he once heard someone tell him about a, a Christian God who is love. And in the middle of the night, in the darkness, this man starts calling out, Oh, Christian God! Oh, Christian God! If you're out there, help me and help my daughter. And a man appears in the room, shining a bright light. And he doesn't introduce himself by name, but he says this, when you're hungry, I will give you food. When you're naked, I will give you clothes. When you're hopeless, I will give you hope. And in your darkness, I will give you light. And then he basically told the father to wake up his family and flee to the south. Long story short, the whole family ended up on one of the inflatable boats across the Mediterranean Sea. And when they approached Athens, the first thing they saw was our Word of Life Welcome to Europe station. 
that we put up. And we flew down young people to man that station. Every week we flew down young people during the course of the most intense months. And as the, their inflatable boat approached the Welcome to Europe station, they saw our young people hold up four signs. If you're hungry, we have food. If you're naked, we have clothes. If you're hopeless, we have hope. And if you're in the darkness, we have light. And the father realized these young people are connected to that person that appeared to me. And the whole family gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And when I heard that, people, the, the fear of God struck me. Because I realized the level, of, the level of faith that Jesus had in us actually being there. And that's all he asked for you and me. He's already prepared your world to hear the gospel and to see his love. Let's make sure that we are empty and open vessels ready to obey. Let's lift up our hearts and our hands to him. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much. For that revelation that you prepare us to speak, but at the same time you prepare this world to hear. And we acknowledge that in the upcoming week you might have prepared neighbors and relatives and friends, people at our workplace or in our school, and you have already opened their hearts. Father, now we stand before you saying, here we are, send us. We will dare to believe that you are with us. We will dare to lean into your presence even though we don't feel it every single day. And we will step out of the boat of our comfort zone. We will step out of the boat of our security. We will do something we've never done before so that we can see something that we've never seen before. We pray, Lord, in this upcoming week that the church prepared to share will connect with the world prepared to receive. This is our prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Bless this church, Father. Amen. Thank you so much, friends. It's been my honor to be with you this morning. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.